0: Well, good morning, and a happy new year to you all. Uh, We're looking at uh, 2 Kings and chapter 4 this morning, if you want to uh, look that up. I retired, and um, I thought I'd get up early this morning, so I'll be bright, uh, but it's worked in reverse. (laughs) So uh, I, I hope I'll sort of wake up as I go along. Uh, Two Kings in chapter 4, a story of two women of faith and a man who used the authority of God. The man who used the authority of God is Elisha. And the two women of faith, one rich and one was poor. Two different situations. So, starting with the poor lady, we're looking at 2 Kings chapter 4 and I'm beginning at verse 1. The wife of a man for the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me what you you have to do in your house. Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of oil. Elisha said, Go round and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't just ask for a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars and as each one is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts and you and your sons can live on what is left. This woman was one of the wives of the prophets. There was a school of the prophets which Samuel had set up many years before. And the school of the prophets had died out over time, but now Elijah had set up the school of the prophets again, and when he was taken up to heaven, then Elisha took that on, so Elisha is now heading up the school of the prophets. And this lady, her husband had died, she was known to Elisha, but she was in dire straits, Because she had no money. The school of the prophets lived by faith. Never enough money in the household anyway. But now this woman and her sons. Were in deep debt. And so she appeals to Elisha. At the moment the woman appeals to Elisha. Their creditors are knocking on the door. They're going to take her sons away. They're going to take her sons away to be hired servants. I know what it says here in the translation but in Israel no one could be made a slave every every person in Israel every uh, person of the nation of Israel would have to go into be a hired servant so they would go away as a hired servant just as when uh, Jesus um, said that uh, as the son come back to the father and the son said uh, make me one of your hired servants so this, the son uh, who spent all his money, went away to another land and then came back. He, was ma- he could have been made an Irish servant, but the father said, fine, you are my son. I won't make you an Irish servant. And this is a, exactly the same here uh, within this um, scenario. And what I'm gonna do is to read you uh, the law on this because this is important because the translation back into King's, uh, for King's, as slaves. <clears throat> and this is the uh, law uh, of Moses from Leviticus. If any of you, uh, sorry, I'll go through this again, chapter 25, and starting at verse 39 of Leviticus. If any of your fellow Israelites become poor and sell themselves to you, do not make them work as slaves they are to be treated as hired workers or temporary residents among you. They are to work for you until the year of Jubilee. Then they and their children are to be released and they will go back to their own clans and to their property. And because the Israelites are my servants whom I brought out of Egypt, they must not be sold as slaves. Do not rule over them ruthlessly, but fear your God. And that, that's the law that uh, this uh, woman was going ha- to have to follow. If we look at the year of Jubilee, which this woman's boys would have to go through, uh, if the year of Jubilee was every 50 years, uh, don't get it mixed up with the year of the Sabbath. And the Sabbath year is every seven years when the la- uh, land laid fallow, but the year of Jubilee was every 50 years, so it's seven times seven, uh, 49. Plus one year when the trumpet's blown. And then we go into the year of Jubilee. So if this woman's, uh, at a time when this, uh, she was in trouble, if it was another 30 years to go before the year of Jubilee came around again, then those sons could have been hired servants for 30 years paying off that debt. So this woman was in real, real trouble. So she appeals to Elisha. And Elisha, with the authority of God, he tells this woman to collect every pot that she can possibly find and to go and shut herself behind a door. And this woman has great faith, because if she collected seven pots, then that was the measure of her faith. But she collected every possible pot there was in that village. And she goes in behind a door. She takes a small cruise of oil, the only thing that she had left, and she starts to pour. And as a cruise of oil runs out, it's refilled again. And she fills every pot that there possibly is and what she has. And this oil, I believe, was of the highest quality. I believe that she got the highest price for that oil so that she could live well after that. And when Jesus uh, was in Galilee and he went to the marriage feast in Cana, then when he changed water into wine, that wine was of the highest quality. And whatever Jesus does for us is of the highest quality. Salvation is of the highest quality. Heaven is of higher quality. And everything he does to everything that all his children has comes from God and everything is of the highest quality. So the widow through her faith was able to save herself and her sons and to then go on to have a reasonable living. And that's the faith that this woman had and that's the authority that Elisha had. In being able to say to this woman through the Lord, the word of the Lord, that go and fill those pots. Elisha couldn't fill those pots. He couldn't make that happen. But the Lord did through the word of Elisha. The second woman of faith had an entirely different uh, position. This woman was rich. Her husband was rich. Her husband had lands. And her husband had servants. She was well off. But she had one thing that every woman in Israel wanted, and that was children. Every time that a person or a lady within the land of Israel didn't have children, it was a tragedy for her. Because the children carried on the family name. The children carried on the inheritance. When Rachel uh, wasn't having children, Jacob's wife She said to Jacob, if you don't give me children, I'll die. It was that important. Plus in those days in the land of Israel, if a woman didn't have children, she could be ridiculed. It was that important to her. And this woman noticed that Elisha was passing by her house quite frequently on his way and his rounds around Israel. And out of the goodness of her heart, she put a room for him on the roof so that every time he passed, he could stay there. And the woman would feed him and he would have rest. And one day, Elisha said to Gehazi, his servant, what can we done for this woman? And Gehazi said, she hasn't got any children. Most important point. And Elisha, through the authority and the power of God, he told this woman... You're going to have a son within a year. And within a year, that happened. Now again, Elisha couldn't make that happen. He could give the word of God to that woman. But it's the Lord who is the creator. And it's the Lord where that child came to that woman. But Elisha was the instrument in bringing that to that woman. Tragedy struck because a son was out in the field. And he'd grown, and he went back to his mother, and he died. Absolute tragedy for this woman. But this woman had great faith. And she immediately tells her servants to get a donkey ready, get servants ready, because she is going to go to Elisha. And Elisha is on Mount Carmel at the moment. This woman... uh, comes from Shuma and uh, I'm just going to read you this bit because the story uh, is important so in chapter 4 and verse 8 it says one day Elisha went to Shuma Shuma is um, a town which is about uh, 60 miles south of the Sea of Galilee and it's on the border of the Jezreel Valley so one day Elisha went to Shuma and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put, put a bed in on the table, a chair and a lamp for him, that he can stay there whenever he comes to eat. One day, when Elisha came in, he went up to his room and lay down there. He said to his servant, Gehazi, called a Shunmite. Uh, Shunmite's called a Shunmite because she comes from the town of Shuma. That's, that's all it means. And so he called her and she stood before him. Elisha said to him, tell her, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. What can be done for her? Elijah asked. Gehazi said, she has, a, she has no son and has a husband who is old. Then Elijah said, call her. So he called her and she stood in the doorway. About, the time, about this time next year, Elijah said, you will hold a son in your arms. No more, Lord, she objected. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant." But the woman became pregnant, and the next year, about that same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. The child grew, and one day he went out to his father, who was with the reapers. He said to his father, My head, my head. His father father told a servant, Carry the boy to the mother. After the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until uh, noon, and then he died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and went out. She called her husband and said, please send one of my servants and a donkey so I can go to the the man of God quickly and return. Why go to him today, he asked. It's not the new moon or the Sabbath. That's all right, she said. She sat at a donkey and she and and her servant led on. Don't slow down for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When he saw her in the distance, the man of God said to his servant, Gehazi, Look, there's the Shunammite. Run to meet her and ask her, Are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? Everything is all right, she said. When she reached the man of God at the mountain, She took hold of his feet. Gehazi came over to push her away. But the man of God said, leave her alone. She is in bitter distress. But the Lord has hidden it from me, and he has not told me why. Did I ask for a son, my Lord, she said. Didn't I tell you? Don't raise my hopes. Elisha said to Gehazi, tuck your cloak into your belt. Take my staff in your hand and run. Don't greet anyone you meet, and if anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. But the child's mother said, As surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, I will not leave you. So he got up and followed her. Gehazi went out ahead and laid the staff on the boy's face. And there was no sound or response. So Gehazi went back to Elisha and told him, the boy has not awakened when elisha reached the house there the boy was lying dead on the couch he went in shut the door on the two of them and prayed then he got on the bed and lay on the boy mouth to mouth eyes to eyes hands to hands as he stretched himself out on him the boy's body grew warm elisha turned away and walked back and forth in the room and then got on the bed and stretched out on him once more The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite. And he did. When he came, he said, take your son. She came in, fell at his feet and bowed to the ground. Then she took her son and went out. So here was a Shunammite. She's ready to go to Elisha, who's on Mount Carmel. One end of the Jezreel Valley is the town of Shuma. That's the eastern side. The other side, 16 miles away, is Mount Carmel. Jezreel Valley is a flat plain, uh, sometimes called El Megiddo. Uh, We call it Armageddon. And if you're stood on Mount Carmel, you can look right across the Jezreel Valley. So here was Elisha. He saw the Shunammite come in. He sends Gehazi to meet her. And Gehazi says, are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? And the woman incredibly says, everything is all right. But everything wasn't all right. But this woman had such great faith that she knew that Elisha could raise her child from the dead. So she said, everything is all right she comes to elisha she holds his feet because she believes that elisha can raise that child from the dead now when jesus went to jairus's house he raised jairus's daughter from the dead when jesus went to lazarus and his tomb he raised lazarus from the dead But when the centurion sent his servants to Jesus and the the servant said, my my," centurion's uh, servant is ill, then the centurion didn't need Jesus to come to the house. He just said, say the words in effect and my servant will be made well. And this woman, that the Shunamite could have said to Elisha, just say the word. And in the power and the authority of God through Elisha, that woman's son could have been raised from the dead. But the woman's faith was in Elisha raising her child from the dead. So she needs to bring Elisha back to Shuma, back to the child. Elisha goes with her, he sends Gehazi a servant on ahead, head, and Gehazi goes on, runs ahead, lays Elisha's staff on the boy, and nothing happens. Again, if that woman's faith was placed entirely in God instead of in Elisha, then that boy could have been raised from the dead, but nothing happened. Elisha comes to the boy, And a boy is raised from the dead through the power and the authority that Elisha had in the Lord. So here was this uh, situation where everything was okay. The boy was well. And the woman had her son again to carry on the family line. And uh, when Elisha further on in this chapter 4 he comes across the prophets and a school of the prophets and they're boiling up a pot of stew and they've collected herbs to put in the stew but someone accidentally has put poisoned herbs in a stew and when they tell this to Elisha Elisha flows flour into that cauldron, and makes everything all right. But the flour had nothing to do with making that stew all right. It was the authority and the power of the Lord Jesus through Elisha that made that soup okay. Again, when the company of the prophets are building themselves a new house, and one of the prophets is using an axe which he borrowed, And the axe head flies off, as he's using it, into the water, into the river. And Elisha throws a stick into the river. And the axe head rises, and they're able to retrieve it. The stick had nothing to do, it was insignificant, nothing to do with the axe head rising. Again, it's the power and authority Elisha used, the power and authority of the Lord over nature, that made that axe head rise. And we can take a staff, just like Elisha, and do nothing with it. We can take our Bibles and do nothing with it. Or we can walk out in the power and the authority in this new year of the Lord Jesus. When we pray... We can pray for something for ourselves. But when we use the authority of Jesus, then all the glory has to go to him. If we think we can use the authority of Jesus and get a slap on the back and people saying well done, it won't work. All the glory has got to go to him when we use that authority. When Peter and John went to the temple to pray and they came across a lame man and the lame man asked for money and Peter said to the lame man silver and gold have I none but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk and the man got up leaping and dancing and praising God and the people gave glory to God because of that The power is in the name of Jesus. Peter and John walked on their way to the temple. And John didn't slap Peter on the back and say, well done, that was brilliant. How did you do that? Because the power is in the name of Jesus and all the glory goes to Jesus. Some years ago, I heard John Wimber talk about how he became a Christian. And he told it, he read the Bible, he went along to church. And after the service, he said to the pastor, when do we do the stuff? And the pastor said, what stuff? And Wimber said, the stuff in the Bible, heal the sick, raise the dead. And the pastor said, no, we don't do that. We just talk about it. And when I grew up in churches, we just talked about it. I was told that the gifts ended at the first church. If the gifts ended at the first church, then the power of Jesus ended at the first church. And we know that's not true. When we come to church and in the past, we've sung songs like, uh, there's power in the name of Jesus. We believe in his name. Kingdom authority flows from his throne unto his own. His anthem raise. And the Lord is king. I own his power. The right to rule each day and hour and then we walk out that door i forget all those songs and forget all about it when we get to heaven and we see that we're hired in the angels we see all that we have in heaven we see the authority we have we see who we are we see that we're the friend and the brother of Jesus, even though he is Lord and King and Savior. What if Jesus said to us, why didn't you use my authority when you were on earth? What are you going to say? What if he said to me, why didn't you use my authority when you were on earth? What am I going to say? Well, I went to church every week. There was a home group in my house. Oh, and I went to the prayer and praise meeting on a Sunday night. But did you use my authority? No. But I preached occasionally, and I did the Q&A every month. But did you use my authority? No. No in the third chapter of Luke we we'll find a genealogy of Jesus in the first chapter of Matthew we we'll find a genealogy of Jesus in Matthew's gospel in that first chapter the genealogy runs from Abraham and through to Jesus in Luke's gospel it runs in reverse it starts with Jesus and it goes back through to Adam And in verse 38 of chapter 3, it says this. Enosh, son of Zeth. Zeth, son of Adam. Adam, son of God. Adam, son of God. Adam had that communication with the father. He had a father-son relationship. That was before the fall. When the fall came, that relationship was broken. He no longer had that same relationship. In effect, he was orphaned. Going back in Jewish tradition, if the children of a father died, then those children would be considered orphans. If a teacher of the Torah had followers and disciples those disciples would call the teacher father and the father would consider those disciples as children when the teacher died those children would be those disciples would be considered orphans and Jesus said I have come so that you would not be orphaned in other words he's going to the cross he's going to make a way for us to come in to the family of God the Father Almighty. We are going to be adopted into God the Father Almighty, and that's what's happened. So we are no longer orphans. We now have God the Father as our spiritual father. <clears throat> when when we come into this and when we think about it and we understand that before the foundation of the world that God the Father sent his son to the cross and he always intended to do that he sent his son Jesus to the cross to make a way that we would be able to come into his family that is how much he loves us he loves us now we the family and the children of god he loves us that much that he sent his son to go to the cross that we could be with him we could be his family and we need to get hold of how this is and what it is and 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 feel it i know up here we can understand that we're children of god i know that we know we're in the kingdom but we need to get in here we need to fully understand who we are we need to fully walk in who we are in the kingdom of the lord jesus christ because right now we have the inheritance we are children of the father we have everything that he wants to give us we have it now we don't have to wait for heaven and we need to start to walk in that because when we start to walk and understand and really know that we're in the family of God, then when we use the authority of the Lord Jesus, all the glory would go to him. Not a smidgen of glory would we want. Everything would go to him, but we have to really walk and start to understand who we are in the family of God. And then the things and the authority that we have in Jesus will start to flow and we will see great things happen. You know, the devil, he knows who we are. He knows we're children of God. He don't want us to understand just who we are in that family he knows that we can cast out demons he knows we can heal the sick he knows we can raise the dead he don't really want us to do that so he wants to keep us just in head knowledge if you like but what we need to do is walk out in that heart knowledge in a moment I've got to issue a challenge But before I do, I'm going to tell you a story. If you've been in this church, more than 35 years, and I know some of you here have, you may remember a young lady called Kimba Cole. She wasn't an elder. She wasn't a deacon. She didn't run a home group. She went to Australia, where she married a man called Gary Payne and they set up set free international ministries. They have a place in Sydney to this day where they preach the gospel and where they heal sick under a healing ministry. Over the years, they've set up churches in Uganda, Pakistan, India, Indonesia. They've gone into China and Burma. And every year they go back to India to hold a convention where they bus people in to hear the gospel and to come under a healing ministry. They had a young daughter and she died. And she died in hospital. So that was conclusive. And in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, they raised her for the dead. Just someone... Who sat in these seats like you and me but who use the authority and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ over death now here's a challenge as we go out in this new year let us understand who we are in the family of the Lord Jesus Christ and let us start to use the authority which he has given him in his name. You don't have to tell anyone you're doing this. As situations occur, just use the authority of God over those situations in the will of the Father. And let's start to see some results. Now, I know someone who knows all about this. And that's the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to ask him to come now to our hearts and to show us just who we are in the family of God and just how much the Father has love for us in our hearts and to show us and lead us out in this coming year to use the authority of the Lord Jesus. So let's just come before him. Holy Spirit, come. You're welcomed here. Come amongst us and come to our hearts. And in our hearts, Holy Spirit, show us how much love the Father has for us. And Holy Spirit, show us how to walk out in the authority and power of the Lord Jesus Christ in his coming year. Holy Spirit, come.